Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As we take you until noon, bottom of the hour, or a few minutes after that, uh, Mark Hansen, a uh, longtime columnist for the Des Moines Register, will share some of his memories uh, of Coach Fry coming up here at about 11.35-ish. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. And in a minute or so, we're going to play this uh, piece of uh, audio. You can see the video, if you're so inclined, at, uh, on the Hawkeye Football Twitter account, at Hawkeye Football. But Trent, some of the, some of the voices that we're going to hear in this case, um, I mean, the, the, the impact that he, that he left on so many people, we're going to hear from, uh, from some of them. But it's just it just boggles the mind. A, a whole lot now. We're number one. We'll have the podcast up here shortly. If you missed anything, Chuck Hartlieb, uh, a great conversation with him and his days playing for Hayden Fry. One thing that we didn't even touch on, and maybe the biggest thing, is what he did to integrate the Southwest yes, Conference. Yes, for sure. I mean, and, you know and what? it's something that mm-hmm. for most any other coach, that is line 1A. That is where you start mm-hmm. with Hayden because there's so many different angles it's just one of many things, but maybe the biggest thing there is what he did in the Southwest Conference. Uh, it's a great point, Trent. I'm glad you brought that up, and um, yeah, it's, it's uh, we shouldn't have waited until hour number yeah. two to uh, uh, to make that point. Well, there's a whole bunch of guys you're going to hear from right now that are going to share some of their memories. Again, if you want to see the video that goes along with it, uh, it's mostly just headshots, or I think the audio really speaks for itself. Uh, but you introduce who's coming up right during the piece? Yeah, you'll, you'll, I'll uh, kind of bust in there and uh, let you know who the voice Voices are that you're going to hear, but we kick it off here with Barry Alvarez. You know, he had certain parameters that he wanted done, and and uh, uh, he he was very good at uh, uh, selecting a staff. I mean, he had you know some people talk about one of the great staffs maybe ever assembled, and guys that went out and became successful head coaches, not just head coaches, but successful head coaches. And I would be willing to guess that the majority of them used a lot of the the same type of plan and organizational system that Hayden did. Former Iowa offensive coordinator and Kansas State head coach Bill Snyder. It's not that they were just good coaches. I mean, these were really good, quality, caring people, good family men, all of them, Uh, people that cared about each other. They cared about the young people that they worked with. Uh, I've... uh, you know, I can't think of a, of a player that ever had an ill feeling about any of, uh, any of his coaches at, uh, at the university. I mean, they, they truly understood that, you know, Hayden cared about them and their, their assistant coaches, whoever worked with them, genuinely cared about them as, uh, as well. They were, they, were, they were more than just good football coaches. Iowa Hawkeye safety assistant coach and Oklahoma head coach, Bob Stoops. The time with not only Coach Fry, but Coach Brazier, Coach Alvarez, Coach McCarney, Kurt, Coach Ferentz, Coach Snyder, on and on and on. Del Miller, right? There were so many great coaches as a young player and then as a graduate assistant. I learned from the best. I was around them every day for five years and uh, had to cart McCarney and Coach McCarney and Coach Alvarez around as a defensive GA. 
got to sit in with Bill Brazier, one of the best defensive minds and coaching minds that there's ever been in football every day. Sit in his office, watch tape, ask him questions. He'd always entertain my thoughts. So, I, you know, I, I feel very fortunate. Dan McCarney. He loves energy. He loves passion. He loves guys that, that uh, can communicate. Um, I think he'd gotten some good recommendations probably from, I don't know who the heck it was. I don't know if there was at least a couple of good recommendations from somebody in Iowa City, but I, I, I think he knew what I found out. And one of the many things I learned from Hayden Fry is if a young man doesn't have all the things experience wise that you're looking for, but he has those other intangibles, work ethic, loyalty, coachable, can communicate, can build relationships. Um, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion and energy for life could be a good recruiter and a guy that might be a, a, a person on the rise, then maybe I'll embrace him, give him a chance to give him that opportunity. And that's what Hayden Fry did with me. Here they are needing the touchdown. Long has got it. He'll walk in. He faked to Harmon and kept it. Iowa quarterback, assistant coach, and Heisman runner-up, Chuck Long. I have to give him all the credit for, for getting my career launched, my personal career, among others. You know, I speak for many of the Hawkeye uh, football, you know, past. And he had a special way of making you feel good all the time, even in the tough games, even in the tough moments after an interception for me. Uh, he made you, he had a way of getting you back up and confident. And that, that feeling, uh, I can't, not every coach has that ability. Uh, and I've been around a bunch of them, but not every coach has that ability to make you feel confident and be positive, even in the negative situations. Hawkeye defensive back and NFL pro bowler, Merton Hanks. Hayden always was on the cutting edge, always was looking for the best people, regardless of race, creed, color. Uh, uh, and what he did at Iowa, really rebuilding that program from where it was to, quite frankly, national power, uh, to the point where you were able to attract young men like myself from, from states away who, who may not have known about the University of Iowa and everything that Iowa has offered. Uh, it, it speaks very well not only in him, but the university itself being a partner with Hayden to make the University of Iowa brand that much bigger and better. Hawkeye running back in Texas native, Cedric Shaw. Hayden Fry in Texas is huge because he's known all throughout the state as a coach for his coaching style and winning. But he's also actually known for being a pretty good football player as well as from a high school football player playing quarterback. So his name brings a lot of bells. He's well liked. He's well respected amongst a lot of coaches from, from little league organizations all the way up through co- um, professional ranks. So he's well-known and highly respected. Hayden after his 200th career victory and receiving a trophy from his players. Certain people that would lead you to believe that we hadn't done all that well against Minnesota. We, we were even with them, 7-7. And uh, some of you in here don't know too good of math, but I forgive you because you're not too damn smart anyway. <laughs> These kids are smart. They got the right date on there, November the 20th, for the 200th victory. I, I guess they'd probably cost him a little money if it hadn't happened that way, but they made it happen. And that's what sports is all about, taking the critics and the experts and all those people and tell them to shove it. We did this for the black and gold fans, the people that stayed with us. Michigan coach Bo Schembechler. He's the kind of a guy who would like to give you the impression that he's going to do a lot of fancy things and he's going to fool you. But he really figures to get that football and run it right down your throat, you know. But he would always have two or three really trick plays. Maybe something that you have never seen before. 
and we used to always spend some time, which I knew uh, made him happy, uh, trying to figure out, well, when do you think he's going to do this time, you know, and with a, with some sort of a fancy play, a double reverse or a double reverse pass or some crazy thing that he would try. But basically his football was just real sound. He knew how to block, knew how to tackle. Um, he was hard to beat. He was just a very difficult coach to beat. College football broadcaster Keith Jackson. And when you call the plays yourself, I think you retain that quality of what I refer to as gut feeling on the sideline. Paul Bryant was one of those kind of coaches where he'd have somebody on the sideline that he knew could do something that he wanted done at that particular point in the game to exercise opportunity, and yet he might not know that kid's name, but he knew what he could do. I think Hayden... uh, has that quality about him and it's it's uh, believe it or not it's a rare quality iowa governor robert ray he's a winner he was a winner and iowans loved it we we like to win i guess people everywhere like to win but uh, he brought uh, winning football to iowa not only the university but to the state of iowa and uh, we were thrilled with that and uh, he conducted himself uh, in such a good manner uh, people fell in love with him. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, and you shake it all out. You the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Longtime Des Moines Register columnist Mark Hansen coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds has just ordered all flags in Iowa be lowered to half staff until sunset on Friday, the 20th of December, in honor of and remembrance uh, of Coach Fry. Bill Bender joins the program, SportingNews.com. Uh, Bill, you're a terrific college football mind, uh, grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I'm sure you remember, uh, perhaps vaguely, the uh, the Coach Fry uh, era at the University of Iowa. Uh, what do you remember about Coach Hayden Fry, Bill Bender? Well, I think, you know, most people around here know the first game that comes to mind would be the one-versus-two game versus Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, always had competitive teams, always had you know, had a way about them. That's what you think about when you think of the old-school college football coach. And, you know, the thing I always found fascinating when reading about him more was his background in psychology. Yes. And uh, one of the forerunners in that, and I, you know, everybody knows about the pink locker room and how it drove Bo, Bo Schembechler <laughs> crazy. And that was just his way of competing with the big boys, and he did it well. Breaking up the big two little late for you, an Ohio guy, maybe not something that you wanted to see, though, a little bit before our time, Bill, when he broke that up and got to the Rose Bowl in 1981. But I'll tell you, for what Big Ten football was during that time period and what it became, Michigan State breaking through, Illinois broke through to a Rose Bowl in the 80s. It was no more... Well, we just hope to maybe get third. That was a big difference. Hayden Fry, a big part of that in the Big Ten. Oh, I mean, yeah. And, and it really set the tone for what the Iowa program is today with Kirk Ferentz. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the same tough out when you go to Kinnick. They're the same, you know, kind of know and understand what their identity is. I mean, I've made the joke for years, probably on your show, that, you know, Iowa throws to the tight end on third down. How do you not see it coming? But, uh, <laughs> They've been doing that since Hayden Fry and Marv Cook and, and the guys that he had there. So, again, I think it's about identity, and nobody's tied closer to that identity. I mean, I 
saw Dockerman's picture of his kid. Uh, yeah. The athletic. Right. And, uh, that, that coach defines that program. And, uh, you know, 90 years old, you hate to see him go. Yeah, it, 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 that's a great picture. Note he's he's credited for really opening up the offenses uh, in, yeah. in the Big Ten. I mean, first it was run the football down your throat, run, 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 three, three yards, yards in a cloud, cloud of dust, dust right? <laughs> uh, and, and he comes over here with that uh, quarterback pedigree when he was at uh, played at Baylor and, and really brought the passing game to the Big Ten um, and and gets credit for doing that, Bill Bender. Oh yeah, I mean you saw and you saw the picture of the coaching tree, which mm. is ridiculous when you think of the 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 toughness that those coaches on that coaching tree have, have exhibited over the years. I mean we're talking about Bob Stoops. He's probably, you know, one of the hardest coaches possible. And he learned that at Iowa. Barry Alvarez transformed Wisconsin, Bill Snyder transforms Kansas State, Kirk Ferentz keeps Iowa doing what they're doing, and there are others. McCarthy. Dan McCarney, yeah. They were all on one staff. That's pretty ridiculous. And, uh, again, I think Scott posted that picture, so he deserves credit for that. But I was following his tweets more than anything because I think he's one that understands what Hayden Fry meant to that state, meant to that program. And like you said, I mean, he is the one that really, when you think of the big two and little eight, he really was the first mm-hmm. one to kind of stand up to it, so to speak, on the field. Bill Bender joining us from the Sporting News. Bill, it is National Signing Day. There's been some goofiness out there. Ken was telling me about a LSU kid that committed to the University of Louisiana State University. <laughs> uh, not exactly how that one works out. Anything uh, jumping off the page to you? I did see our neighbors to the west, Nebraska, picking up some more four stars. In fact, a seven in the recruiting class. People buying into what Frosty selling. Yeah, they're good. They're doing all right. They're doing all right down in Florida. So he's bringing up yeah. some of his connections from UCF and then working. Um, you know, Maryland just flipped an LSU receiver. Those are things that I never thought would what? happen. But <laughs> there's a, a five-star receiver, too. Uh, um, that's an area of the country, though. There's so many good schools in that Washington, D.C. area, the Catholic schools there. And, I mean, that's where you go to find talent. And, and for Maryland to keep him, Rakeem Jarrett in the area is pretty big. Um, you know, the usuals are doing well. Clemson. Ohio State, you know, Alabama, LSU, just thought me heard that one before. And, but, I mean, a couple schools, like you said, Nebraska, Oregon's got an opportunity this afternoon with a couple guys. And uh, North Carolina did well with Mac Brown. That's something I told you was coming. Mm-hmm. You did. You absolutely did. Mm-hmm. We all thought it would be uh, kind of a, a long year, if you will, but uh, but watch out because it's coming. We got here, they got there uh, uh, quicker than some thought that they would, but I, I remember you saying that to us, Bill Bender. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is our guest. Bill, uh, the early signing period, I believe that it's done what it was, what the, what the, uh, when it was put in place, what it set out to do uh, by moving it up earlier. And I know some of the big schools weren't real fond of that move, but I think overall, uh, if you were to pull the coaches, they would be pleased with moving the signing day to uh, this part of December is done. Yeah, you know, I think so. I think it's uh, one of those things where everything on the calendar gets pushed up, and it seems like it's going more and more. I mean, a lot of these kids are already on. I mean, I read something where one of Florida's top commits, the quarterback, is practicing with the team for the bowl game. No I mean, this kidding. is. They, they've pushed the calendar up to that point. And, um, you know, I, I think it works out in some ways if you want to enjoy your senior year in high school and not worry about recruiting. You can get it all over with. If you want to get on campus early, that's fine. But I always tell them, you know, for me, it's 
kids should enjoy being kids as long as they can because sooner or later you got to be a grown up, and that's not always as fun. Bowl games begin on Friday afternoon. Get started with the Bahamas Bowl. Buffalo and Charlotte over the weekend. Six games on Saturday, a game Monday and Tuesday. Bill, is there take the Vegas Bowl out of it because of the connections. Boise State against Washington. Chris Peterson in his final game against his former team. What else of those other bowls should we get excited for that you're looking forward to over the weekend? I mean, not too much. I mean, they, the Charlotte being in their first bowl game, and they'll, they'll probably play with some decent energy, mm-hmm. I think, like you said. Yeah, I'll watch some of Washington and, and Boise just because I want to see how they re- react and, you know, what, what they do for Chris Peterson in that game. But the early ones are a little rough. Yep. <laughs> but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still got to fill out your bowl card. Yep, absolutely. Like I said, but but that Bahamas Bowl is somewhat intriguing for me just because I want to see Charlotte. And I like watching teams respond with the emotion of playing in their first bowl game. Of course, they win. It don't mean a lot to that program. Yeah, indeed. Bill Bennett from the Sporting News. Bill, thanks for coming on and giving us a few minutes here today. We appreciate you being flexible. Uh, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Hopefully we'll find some time to catch up with you uh, in the uh, Thursday, Friday of next week. Thank you, Bill Bender. Appreciate it. Oh, we will. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News as we get his thoughts on uh, the legend uh, that was Coach Aiden Fry. Always good to get that perspective, a Big Ten perspective, but from outside of our state. And uh, Bill Bill and I are the same age, so it's kind of that time period, too. He's an Ohio guy. You know, Ohio State, kind of dirty little secret. They weren't very good during the 80s. It it was really those 90s teams Mm -hmm. that started to build the momentum of John Cooper Every single year, it'd have a ton of talent, and then would lose to Michigan at the end of the season, seemingly every single year. Shoes but on the other foot now. Some of those Ohio State teams, though, during that time period, the 80s, not very good. wonder why that was. The reason behind it was it, you know, the tarnish of what happened yeah. after Woody and yeah. the, the punch in the incident against Clemson in the bowl game, if that hurt the program, took a step back. That might be a summer deep dive of kind of going back in history a little bit and wondering you know, these power programs. Alabama, what went wrong after Gene Stallings? Just how bad it got. Mike Shula and company. Would that have broken the internet? The the, the punch oh, against Clemson. I, I mean, don't, don't you think? Right. Of of all of the things that have happened, in, that would be one of the one of the incidents. Yeah, I mean, Trent. You think of some of those big sports incidents. That's a huge one. Yes. The Ron Artest, the melee. You know, social media yeah, wasn't this was what a it coach was. Coach punching an opposing player. <laughs> yes, but think of if everybody had a phone. You know that one where everybody is videotaping Ron Artest coming at them. Yes, and what that could have been. It just all those different things. How different the world is. Mike Milbury going into the stands and picking right. up a shoe and attacking a fan with it. Put yeah. that in the list for the summer topics. Yeah, that's a good one. We might stumble across something here. Uh, we ran down Mark Hansen last night. We're going to talk to him next. Mark is now uh, a resident of Chicago. He followed his two sons. His two sons moved to Chicago. So Mark and his wife packed up and have left the uh, fine state of Iowa. And Mark's in Chicago. And he will join us next to share some of his memories uh, as he covered the Hawkeyes. Mark's career ban began, I want to say, 1981 uh, with the register. Of course, Fry was a couple of years into it at that point. But uh, Mark, has, I, I'm guessing, and you pointed it out earlier, was the uh, brunt of a lot of that <laughs> yes. angst yes. Uh, from the uh, former Hawkeye coach when he decided he's going to protect his team and he's going to pick on the media. And he was so good at doing that. Mark Hansen joins the program next as Trent and I take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station 14th. 14- 
24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As we take you up until noon, excited to talk to our next guest. He's Mark Hansen, 32 years. You read him at the Des Moines Register. He's a seven-time Iowa Sports Writer of the Year, and his... Uh, career really began uh, a couple of years after Coach Fry got here, but I'm assuming Mark Hansen was the brunt of uh, some of uh, Coach Fry's angst in those media sessions. Let's get it right from the horse's mouth. Hello, Mark Hansen. Been too long, Mark. Uh, disappointing it's under these circumstances, but good to catch up with you. How are you? Yeah, great to talk to you guys. Doing good. Good. Uh, you know, Mark, it's um, as we talked about uh, your, your career back in 1981. I want to share a story. Started in 81, of course, uh, Coach Fry in 79. But I want to share a story. We had Chuck Hartley on in the B uh, to, to start off our show today. He shared a story with us <laughs> regarding you uh, that uh, yeah. the, the, the Coach Fry would, you know, he'd meet with you guys first and. Boy, Chuck, he's banged up. You don't even think he's going to get on the airplane. He can barely practice. And then you'd get some of the players, and you'd ask, in this case, Chuck Hartley, how are you doing? Uh, how are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm doing great. I've got nothing wrong with me. And apparently that led to kind of a, uh, uh, not a blow-up, but certainly a conversation. And and Hartley would seek you out prior to uh, prior to the player interviews and ask you what uh, Coach Fry had said so you guys, so they could have their story straight. Do you remember that? I sure do. I, I I really do. It's uh yeah. It's funny because Chuck's son played baseball with my son, and this was a little bit afterwards. And we used to talk about that all the time. How crazy it was. I mean, they they did. They had a great run there, uh, and but but there were a lot of. I mean, Hayden is a personality. He was a personality. He was a guy with, you know. A brilliant uh, football coach. I mean, he, what what he did at Iowa, that hadn't been done since Evashevsky, mm-hmm. you know. And and you know they went through Jerry Burns and Nagel and Lauterbur and Cummings, and finally they get this guy, and it's, it he totally turns it around. But his personality was as big as his skill as a coach, and which made it fun for me. I mean, there were times that you know. When he would look at me and just shake, shake his head, <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. Like That's I was one right. of the players. <laughs> you know, Mark, uh, I, I love the back and forth. I was telling Ken earlier in the program today, just I remember as a youngster getting ready for the 6 o'clock uh, sports cast or the 10 o'clock news and, and waiting for those moments when Hayden was going to give it to the media. Did you guys ever get a heads up? Did uh, maybe Phil Hattie uh, poke his head around and yeah. say, hey, yeah. you guys are oh, going to yeah. get it today? Hmm. Uh, yes, we did. He, they were good about that, giving us warnings. Yeah, so we knew when it was coming. So we all kind of sat there, and it was uh, an interesting time. Were you intimidated, Mark, or was it you, you just you knew he's gonna he's gonna blow off some steam, and this is you know his part and parcel of who he is? But could he be intimidating in those settings, and would he then you know seek you out subsequently? You know, maybe not in front of all the rest of the media, but uh, you know, not to apologize, but just to to let you know that things were good. Uh, not really, <laughs> not really. I mean, but he, you know, he he didn't hold grudges. Um. He, he wasn't, you know, he would still talk to you and he would, but he would tell me, he, he would say what he didn't like. You know, I remember one time 
I, I don't know what game it was, but I I knew I had written something that he was upset with. So I they were it was like the day before they were they were having a practice on site, I guess, or the walk or something the day before. So I said I better get this I got to get this out of the way. So I went up to him and you know just meekly went up because I knew I I knew he was mad at me. So I I went up and said, "Are you still mad at me?" And he went into this long diatribe about. You know, a lot of people read what you say and they believe what you say. And so, you know, but then afterwards, he said, well, I'm glad we had this talk. And that's how it was Mm -hmm. most of the time. The result, Um, sorry, Mark, the the, the folksy part of him, too, that would come out. Were you there when he showed up uh, after the game against Minnesota and the overalls and the straw hat and and, uh, really playing up the Iowa farmer angle? Yes. Wow. I remember that distinctly. Yeah, <laughs> that's him. Yeah, I mean, he had a huge personality, which was great. You know, and you look back at who preceded him, and this guy was like, he was just great to cover. Was there one member of the media that took the brunt of his anger? I mean, it sounds like you were one of the guys, one of his uh, guys that he would pick on. How about uh, how about some other longtime uh, Iowa football media that uh, some of our listeners might recall? Well, that was just it. I mean, Maury mm-hmm. White and Ron Malley and Buck Turnbull. They were, we called it the register. We called them the big three. And, uh, you know, Maury wasn't, Maury was a great columnist, but he, he was kind of old school. And, you know, he, he didn't really take on too many people. I mean, he had, his column was great. He was, he knew he had a lot of sources and everything, but he didn't, um, I don't. He wasn't. It just wasn't the way things were done at the time. And now Ron Mel used to write some columns like that, but it's for the most part. So I just basically wrote what I thought, what I felt I was was seen, what had seen out there. And you know, you can't. I, I really, you really can't think about how, how the reaction. But I used to try. I used to go up to him and say, "Are we okay now?" And he'd tell me how disappointed he was in me. I mean, I was like, well, I was like one of his sons almost. Now he would probably disagree with that, but. But, you know, and I was, his sons were about my age, too, so I used to talk to them all the time, and, yeah, it was it was just a really interesting time. How about after you retired, Mark? Did you two ever cross paths after that? Not really, not really, you know, because I started, uh, you know, I wrote sports columns for the Register for 20 years, and then I went right. to uh, Newside and wrote uh, Metro columns, so I missed a whole bunch of you know, I think I was there for Ferences for one year for Ferences. The uh, the changeover there that happened the final season of Hayden finishes three and eight. They get blitzed by the Gophers to end the season. Take us back to that time period. And, yeah, you know the story of him maybe wanting to retire after the '96 uh, the victory in the bowl game. Decides to come back with that stacked up team for '97, and then the final season of '98 as he's going through cancer treatment. Yeah, I you know that was that was different, and that was uh, you know it was kind of sad. And uh, um, that by that time I wasn't you know really involved in it, but I remember thinking, wow, that's you know it's too bad. Hmm. His assistants, Mark, were they off limits? I mean, some coaches allow their assistants to speak, and you know that's clearly one of the things he will uh, never be forgotten. The, the incredible coaching tree that he left behind. Um, were his assistants 
Um, were you guys allowed to, was the media allowed to speak with his assistants or was it Hayden Fry that would be the face of this? He'd allow you obviously access to the players, but the assistants were off limits. What was the story like there? It was pretty much, uh, the assistants didn't really want, I mean, they didn't want to get in trouble. Right. So they were pretty, every now and then they would talk to you a little bit about what was going on, but basically, you know, I think he, he pretty much had them under control. Post game, what was what was he like in a post game news conference? Win, win or loss, uh, where where would you get the better quotes, Mark? Or did it matter? Just it just depended on what week it was going to be. When would uh, when would you get the best out of Coach Fry as far as you know quotes? I think he was always good. Uh-huh. Win or lose, he'd always had something to say. You know, he was open about things, and he, he was very uh, emotional. I mean, he didn't seem like it, but if he had a if he had a a problem with something, he would talk about it. Was there one game during the season? Was, was I guess is there one opponent that uh, you could tell it's fill in the blank week that it's different around here because they're about to play? You know, what what school would that be? Or was he always the same? Or did one did uh, playing one school mean more to him in any way? I think the Ohio State and Michigan games were big with him, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I think best. You know, he really, really wanted to beat those guys, and he did a pretty good job of it. I mean, he, you know, he beat Bo and he beat uh, uh, who was it? You know, the guys over in Iowa State. I mean, he had good records against. Them. Yeah, he was right with them. You know, it's and it was interesting because it's it's keep good. Good players want to go to Ohio State and Michigan. And so he kind of intruded into their yeah. the advantage they had. And so he he hung in there right with them. Iowa State fans always will say this that uh, you know that he never let up on them. <laughs> he always wanted to rub it in, and seemingly, at least that was their opinion. They would want to run in the score. He didn't want Iowa State to get a footing in the state. Was kind of how they felt during that era. I wasn't here, so I don't know. Is that how you recall it? I think that's true. I think that's true. He wanted to keep them down. And uh, and he did, for the most part. Yeah, he certainly did. 15 straight. It took McCartney to do it. Uh, Mark, thank you for coming on. Uh, so, so you're over in Chicago. Are you writing days behind you? Are you doing any books? Or what are you doing, Mark Hansen? Yeah, I did a, I've done a couple of books. I did a book with Tom Wataski. Yep. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a sports book, but I've also... Uh, I'm. I'm kind of sitting on a uh, a chow book, the gymnastics coach. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to I've kind of put together a book on his life story, which is kind of interesting, coming from China and then coaching all those, you know, Gabby Douglas and Sean and uh, the Olympians. So he's, you know, I'm still kind of holding out for that one. Now he's the coach. He's going to be the uh, the Chinese Olympics coach next time. Yeah, so twenty twenty. I have a story to tell, and I'm like, I, I hope I can get it around to get him to sit down again and and talk about it. So there is that. Chuck Hartley said that you and him almost wrote a book, or you were talking about writing a book. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. I don't. That would have been a good one. <laughs> it's what he thought too. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, maybe, pre- we can, maybe we can still do it. I think he's in. If you are, I think he is. Sounded like it to me, Mark. Great to catch up with you. Thank you for coming on. A uh, wonderful era, and he uh, impacted so many people, and he impacted this state in in so many ways. Mark Hansen, great to catch sure up did. with you. Thank you, Mark.
Yeah, thanks for calling. Yep, good to talk to you. Mark Hansen, 32 years at the uh, Des Moines Register. Uh, some good stuff there. So the Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa State games by mm-hmm. the sounds. Not Minnesota. No. Not Illinois. It was. He had some trouble with the Gophers. Yeah. And some not very good well, Gophers. Well, he brought it up in that piece that we talked yes. about when he you know, reminded the media that you can't count and we may be better than you guys think that we are against them. Showing up in bib overalls and a straw hat yeah, after the awesome. game. So what year would that have been? Do you remember that? That would have been is late. Late 80s, I want to say. Yeah, right in that range, something like that. Maybe very early 90s, right about that. And he did it in front of the Minnesota media? Basically, yeah. There's a picture of it. I saw the picture. It's great. You saw who was right behind him, right? Yeah, Phil Hattie. Of course. Right. He's in every picture. Right. Oh, Phil Hattie. That guy. Absolutely. He is another one of a kind. But, you know, you, you saw many people have said... What needs to happen? Kirk Ferentz needs to show up in the white pants. Mark Morehouse, I believe, was the first one to tweet that. In the aviators I could not agree with him more. How? What a tribute incredible. that would be on Friday night, December twenty seventh, if that's what how he's on the sideline. And how about this connection? USC, the program many people believe Hayden was the closest ever leaving Iowa, was for the USC job there in the mid eighties. Mid eighties for that yes, one. Yes, I think. Maybe when John Robinson left for the first okay. time to go to the Rams? Yes, he did. Would have been 84? Uh, it would been that time period, yeah. Maybe right before. Well, those are some good Rams teams, too. Oh, yes, there is no Oof. doubt. Some really So so it was um, a big talker back then, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how would you get your, I mean, how would you guys know? No internet? Uh, you don't no know. radio? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it would be my grandpa yelling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the newspaper, right? The, the newspaper? So was the, was, was the paper speculating on that at the time? I would guess so, yeah. Because obviously now if that had been the case this would have been a much at least you would think more mm-hmm. people would have known about it clearly mm-hmm. duh um but but i mean help help us out that did, did it seem real close or is it more fear that oh my god he's thinking of leaving and these were more stories for me afterwards because this was i mean i was four or five years old at the time so it was a lot of people say you know he almost took the usc job okay. other people said he never had interest in the usc job he was just using it to get the bubble and the bubble oh. at the time because yeah. they'd be getting ready for the well, the first the Rose Bowl in eighty one. They're doing it outside because sure. they don't have anywhere else, or right. they have to go in the field house and try to conduct practice in there. That's what led to the bubble. So it depends on your perspective, who you talk to, and how that all went down. But uh, I was telling Mark right before we came on, Mark got me in trouble in school a lot. Hanson did because I was a, such a nerd that I'd always I go to the library every morning. Grab the USA Today sports section. I grabbed the Des Moines Register sports section. That, that was every was single the, morning. The days before's paper or that day's paper? That day's paper, gotcha. yeah. That, they'd get there bright and early and I'd have them and they would go with me throughout class, especially middle school. I'd get in trouble in reading class every time because I'd never be listening. I, all I'd be doing <laughs> is reading the newspaper, reading what Mark Hansen had to say. And that was another thing back then, as when you're younger and you read this guy that is ripping on your team. I didn't understand what a columnist was. I just thought it was another article. Then the article that paints the picture and previews the game. And then there's this guy. What's this guy's problem? What's he doing? He's he's complaining about the Hawkeyes? How can you possibly do that? Just such a different perspective in growing up and then learning. That's what a columnist does. Mm-hmm. It's not just uh, singing the fight song. A little more that goes into it. Mm. Is is the uh, the Iowa coaching is his tenure here aside? Was what he did at SMU maybe his greatest legacy? I think so. You I know, think it would be too. That the doors time, that he opened yeah. and where he did it, 
in Texas, right. in the South. In the South, yes. But Trent, as we as we saw earlier this year, what I don't remember what Texas championship team they honored. It was a team from the 60s. And it was... It, it might have been during the Oklahoma Texas game earlier this year. I don't know. No, it wouldn't have been because the game was uh, the game was uh, in Austin. But anyways, they they honored and they showed it during the broadcast this year, 2019, at, a, at one of the Texas games. Yeah, it was one their of, national title team, right? Yeah. Right. And they showed and and what stood out? What stood out to that national? And I, and I meant we meant to bring it up because I wanted to talk about it. Every single one of the players on that team was white. Yes. And it's just, it just jumps off your TV screen. And for what, I think that's, I think that's Coach Fry's biggest, most important, anyways, part of his legacy. You know, him talking about, and it wasn't just, you know, the, the, the crazy fringe of the world at that time. It was, Jerry Levias had problems with his instructors, his professors in his classes, mm. other players, other athletes. Other students at the school, the stories that go on and on and on, and his decision to do that, what kind of person it takes to stand up at that time in Texas to do something like that, to integrate the Southwest Conference. And the threats that must have come along with it, right? To to me, that that might be his most... um Maybe one of the first lines in the obituary, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what? We never talked about. We talked about the locker room, obviously, the mm-hmm. Steelers connection, all the things that he did. The uniform, yeah. The uniforms. The swarm, too. Right. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that was him. And and the reasoning behind it, not only to show solidarity coming out of the locker room, but and also it was so you don't become over-exuberant before the game right. to keep your nerves yeah. calm. And, and that was something that also played That's in. That's the psychology it's, major coming I, out. So incredible. Yeah. Just an incredible life, an incredible mm-hmm. story, an incredible man. And uh, 90 years old. He lived a wonderful life. State of Iowa. Yep. Lost a legend today. And fought cancer night. hard, Trent. I mean, he was he was fighting cancer. Over at the 20 end years. Of, yeah, over 20 years, yes. Over 20 years. Mesquite, Texas, uh, or Mesquite, Nevada, rather, is where mm-hmm. he uh, settled after his, uh, and never coached again. There was a talk in the early Bailey, 2000s. Baylor, going Baylor, going back to his yes. alma mater, right. I wonder how close that ever yeah, was. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. You know, maybe next year uh, before Baylor-Iowa State, if we're previewing that game, we can get somebody that was also on the beat back then and, and see, because there was another one of those kind of lines of thinking, but a lot of people tell you that was incredibly close to happening. I wonder how he would have done. Yeah, I'm glad he, I'm glad he didn't do it in, yeah. in the end. Anyways, all right, uh, if you missed any portion of the program, Chuck Hartley was terrific in the, uh, in the first hour. He led off the show here today, sharing some of his uh, memories, a bunch of his teammates. Uh, look, the word broke yesterday, started to filter around that, uh, that the end was near. And by the sounds of things, a lot of former uh, teammates uh, got together uh, at some point during the day via phone and, and talked about it. And by today, it became, you know, the, yesterday was more morning but today became uh in a lot of a lot of ways a celebration of a uh, memory just uh the legend that he was and, and where hawkeye football where the athletic program would have been at bump elliott not uh, uh not offered him a job and he had taken that job just it, it's it's unfathomable to think about what might have been a bump's final hire uh, for, for football yes. coach if you would have messed that one up because that was number three yeah and ad's even back then they didn't get three cracks at it usually no for sure that happened there well i'm going to be back later today i'm going to so, be on for the fanatics are you do are you yes i'll be in uh at four o'clock myself and emery songer and then it'll be hawk central extended tonight five thirty two seven. so 
plenty more on Hayden Fry. Good stuff. Well, we'll be listening to you this afternoon. Murph and Andy will slide on in here at 2, and then the uh, Morning Rush will start things on a Thursday. Thanks for being with us. Miller and Condon, 10 to noon, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.